0: Uh, my iPad has failed me the last couple times, so I decided to bring something really reliable and really big. So, this is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose hope is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Lord, we do want to praise you for being a God who is forever faithful, who um, is always fighting for us, Lord, and upholding your righteous ones. We thank you, Lord, that we know ultimately you are the one who will judge everything and that those who um, deserve punishment will receive punishment. Lord, in today's world, we just see so much going on that doesn't seem right, that doesn't seem fair, but we are thankful that you are a God of justice and we know that we can trust in Uh, how you will work things out according to your purpose. So we pray this morning you would open our eyes um, to understand even more about who you are and to be able to praise you even more for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pam. So good to have John back with us, continue to pray for his recovery. Things are going well enough that he wants to be here with you all. So that's, that's good stuff. Thank the Lord for that. Louder still is the reign of the king. It's uh, meant to be louder than every noise we interact with in our world and the distractions of the day and certainly the accusation of the enemy against us. But the reign of our king is to be a louder word over all of that. Now, over the last month, I was thinking this week that I found myself having an increasing number of conversations about the end times, right? And we don't necessarily in our church have anyone that's tremendously obsessed with eschatology, so that's really good. But for our secular friends, we can think about the existential threats to the institutions that we've come to rely on in our lives or even just the end of the world, at least as we know it. And to those of us, though, that profess to know Jesus, the end times or the last things becomes this area of keen interest uh, within the church, and we study scripture, and we try to discern the times. And for some, it might even become obsession. But it is something that we should rightly think about, right? Because Jesus has promised to return from heaven bringing his throne and eternal reign over all things with him forever, for us to be with us. And as the things of our existence in this world, even as Pam was praying, get increasingly strenuous, right? As Earthquakes multiply as wars rage everywhere as leaders are elevated to a godlike place in the hearts and minds of those who at least at one time seem to be serious people. As national Israel is gripped in a war with those who wish for their extinction, we ask, are these the signs of the approaching end of days? The answer to that question is yes. Maybe not in the way that we think they are signs. Maybe not in the let's chart Christ's return based off of news reports sort of way. But instead as reminders that the way of man is fleeting and it isn't working. That we are in desperate need of Christ's return to reign forever, to set everything right. Right? And this is, for us, Advent, the anticipation of His return. And it starts in the darkness of our present and anchored in the past of Christ's incarnation and finished work. It propels us then to the future of light, of what is coming for us. It's more than just one season on the calendar for those that profess faith in Christ. It's actually our whole experience Carl Bart, a class, World War II kind of theologian, he says, "What other time or season can we or can or will the church ever have but that of Advent?" We're just always waiting for the return of Christ. Uh, another scholar says, "All Christians live in eschatological times, between the ages." The kingdom of God has arrived, but we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the world in which we live is riven by innumerable horrors, war, famine, disease, abuse, injustice, environmental destruction, ethnic cleansing, violence against women, industrial levels of abortion. And this is, in Joseph Conrad's words, the heart of darkness. And Advent looks unflinchingly into the darkness and names it for what it is. And it does not do so nihilistically. Advent awaits a transformed world. It looks forward in hope to a future consummation of the kingdom because of the victory of God in Christ over sin, death, and the powers. So that is... Who we are now waiting, anticipating Jesus' return to set everything right. And looking forward in hope is exactly what we must be about as a church. Not so much just set on bemoaning the difficulties of the day. We speak honestly of those things as we talked about last week. But we do the forward looking unflinchingly into the darkness and calling it what it is. That it is Brokenness, but we have a better song to sing of what is to come. So, how does Psalm 146, a hallelujah psalm, fit in then to Advent? And thanks for asking. I plan to tell you, right? But this is a song that is meant to stir our trust in the King who reigns over all things in contrast to where our hearts may be inclined to find satisfaction or attempt to find satisfaction. And so we sing to our souls. And the truth is that I need this soul reminder and this call to something better. And so maybe you do too, as we go through life in our times. So we just say, oh my soul, praise the Lord. Psalm 146 is praise that is louder than the noise of the doom of our day. And it's not delusional, But it's a a life proclaimed that is steadied by a trust in the one who holds everything and has your best interest in mind. That he's a good king. And so we just want to begin this morning as the psalm does with where not to go to that which is busted. And then hopefully we'll hear the song of who is to be trusted. So two points, busted and trusted. Hopefully we can remember those in this song. Um, is meant to season us as a people, to give steel to our spines as we live in these days. So what here is busted? You can answer this question for yourselves, but what are the things that we are prone to trust in life and in our experience, right? For um, security, for our future, for provision. Like that list might include things of treasure. So income, money, resources, or maybe it's things of pleasure or measure, how we compare each other and how we come out ahead compared to everyone else or things of esteem. And so the list can be quite long of where we might place our trust. But this soul song in Psalm 146, rather than create this long list of things that we should not actually trust, targets one that is key among All of those things. And the psalmist says that trusting in man is dangerous, but not merely in humanity. This is trusting in those that are noble. So we can often read a text like this and say, Don't trust in princes. And then we divide or define princes very strategically to match those people. We don't think you should go after trusting, right, the politicians or the people of the other party or those that are placed in power for different reasons. But the vision here is of a nobility of those that would be seen as quality people that have risen above others and those who we're not to trust. But it's part of our makeup as humans that we've always... Gone, longing for what I'd call a dear leader that we can shake hands with and rally behind, and our fickle hearts will move from who is the noble of influence in the moment to the next. But we still put so much trust in princes, don't we? It's in trusting in those that scratch our itch, that say things that our hearts like to hear. This is Israel crying out for a king so they could be like other nations, right? This is the church in Corinth encamping themselves around their preferred preacher, some being of Apollos and others of Paul. This is us when we disregard the word of God and instead follow those that tell us just to do what feels right to us and to reject the way of God for one of our own scripting. And we don't just do it out there, do, right? We do this in the church, and some of us actually have the trauma to prove that we've put our trust in princes in the wrong way. One biblical scholar, Ian Hamilton, says, there has always been within the church a sinful propensity to give undue praise and prominence to men. There is a fine line between blessing God for men whose lives and ministries he has used to bless you and build you up in Christ and making those men idle substitutes. There's something in the human psyche that is prone to admiring a person's gift above their character and we regularly hear it said that a man's private life has no bearing on his public life of service. If he has ability, and especially if the ability is adorned with a measure of charisma, then we should not inquire into his private life or hold anything in his private life against him. And sadly, tragically, Hamilton says, the Christian church has not escaped this mental and spiritual idolatry throughout its history. And I think it's just like a human condition that... We are likely to look for princes, those that would be nobility in our minds and hearts that we would trust in them. And what we mess up in the church, we run ragged with in the streets. Always looking for the next one to trust after. And what we need, though, is not a scratched itch of fancy or a sub-tribe that we can call our own and follow a cool leader or even the strategies that would tell us that we are superior to others if they would just follow who we follow. What we actually need is salvation then, now, and forever forever. This is what the psalmist says that princes cannot provide. We need divine salvation that has its focus on rescue from earthly enemies, from guilt, from sin, and the punishment that we deserve. And we need an exodus from the slavery to the world and its way. And princes, however great, they're not capable of securing our greatest trust in whom there is no salvation we should not put our trust in. And quite the opposite of providing salvation, what they actually do is often just put on new shackles that bind us once again. So princes are temporary, but the psalmist says what we need is eternal. He says of the prince, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day, his plans perish. And some of us have lived long enough to see nobles come and go, right? People that we could put our, or we thought we could put our trust in. And we actually are mature about it and we have our heads clear. We see the truth of Psalm 146. We know that princes can't be trusted because they can't provide the salvation that we need. But it's that ongoing battle of our souls to recognize that and to entrust our lives to the one who can help us. So Psalm, like Psalm 146, helps us be primed for an election year. We're coming up 2024, right? I mean, I, I have prayed fervently that the Lord return before then. <laughs> before I have to have any conversations about who should we vote for, Pastor? Right, but... We're then not only primed for that, but in this reality, we're primed for wars and rumors of them, that we actually have a place to trust. And at Advent, when darkness seems to get more of the day, we have to sing the louder song of not trusting in temporary things, the busted things, but instead giving ourselves over to something that is better. And Paul Tripp poetically says it this way, when injustice assaults again, When image bearers die again, when grieving mothers mourn again, when communities lament again, when eyes are closed again, when backs are turned again, when right takes a hit again, when business as usual returns again, when accountability is questioned again, when narratives are twisted again, when anger rises again, when hope dims again then we remember again, the kings of earth do not hold our hope. Then we remember again, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. They will fail us again. They will compromise again, forsake their call again. Like your people of old harmed by corrupted kings, we will remember again. Our hope is held by a greater king. He will work again. He, or We will stand again. We will fight again. Because we know our greater king is just, is good, is righteous, is merciful in every way. He will rise again and right every wrong again. While we wait, we will hope, we will believe, we will work, we will pray, we will right wrongs again and again until the greater King comes again to usher in righteousness forever. This is what we long for as we Move away from what is busted to he that can be trusted. And the psalmist shares that people will disappoint us with their humanity, yet he contrasts people's limitations with the limitless one by reminding us that our hope lies in the eternal God, who is a consistent one on the good days and on the bad days. It's he that can be trusted. Here is the light that dispels the darkness Of waiting in Advent, blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. John Piper, a few months ago on X, which used to be Twitter, but talk about a a tremendously dark place that, that matches, right? He says, trust him in uh, quoting this scripture, trust him for every help you need, one minute or one century from now. Forever. And the, the path to true happiness for us is trusting in the Lord. And those whose help is, is, is Yahweh have the hope of this happiness, of security, of peace. So why trust him? How do we know it makes sense to trust in God? And the answer comes that God has made heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, that he truly is is God. And because that is reality, all hope and trust in him is validated fully here. It's the place of salvation. It's the place of hope, the place of care. It needs to be trusted, though, for more than just being God. Because he's created and he should be trusted because he is creator. But the psalmist gives us more than just that creative reality to trust in the Lord. He says, he is who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he will bring to ruin. So he is creator, but he is also then Good as the true God that He is, He alone is able to execute justice for the oppressed, to give food to the hungry, to set prisoners free, to open the eyes of the blind, to lift up those that are bowed down and to watch over the sojourner, the widow, the fatherless. And each of these mercies, our God is reflecting His gracious character. And as God, He alone reigns over every and all generations. So as the psalmist says, let all peoples at all times praise the Lord. He's the one to be trusted. And the invitation now for us is to humble ourselves before him, rely upon him, and embrace him as our God and our king. That's what Advent is for us, just waiting for the arrival of our king for all of eternity, for his kingdom to unfold in its completion before us. And this is exactly what we need. The hope of that reality in the uncertainty of our lives, when all the talk we hear is bleak, when fears rise around us, when our minds and hearts can't make sense of the world that we exist in, we know that He can be trusted because He gave Himself for us. There is a hope that is louder still than all the noise around us. studying the psalm, I noticed a striking similarity here between uh, this text and Jesus' reading of Isaiah 61 and saying it was fulfilled in him in that moment. Do you remember that story? Luke 4 tells us of it, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down in the eyes, of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The one who is promised in Isaiah 61 has come, that he's now full of the Spirit, unleashing the year of Jubilee, finally what they've ached for, what they've waited for, what their existence of Advent had been up to that point. It matches that same tone of what God does in Psalm 146 of the place in which he can be trusted is all of his gracious work to serve those that are low, that are hurting, that need healing. Jesus comes and he says, the year of Jubilee has finally come. And it's fascinating to me that still at that moment, what do the people do? They reject him. The announcement of good news to the poor, of food for the hungry, of lifting up the reverently humble, of giving a family to the widow and the orphan, it seems absurd to those that have all of their trust in the vapor of humanity, of nobles, of princes, but to those given new hearts by the Spirit of God, to those that believe that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was for you, to us these words are the words of life. The jubilee has come in Jesus that he is restoring what was uh, broken in the curse. That he's bringing freedom to those that are captive. These are words that bring peace, that bring hope for the future with him and a steadiness in our presence as we wait for him. He can be trusted. His reign will go on forever and those eager for his kingdom's fullness then we get to live for the things that he promised. Like this becomes our checklist then. And even Isaiah 61 and Psalm 146 is like, how is the Lord using us to bring these things into reality? And one scholar says, God executes justice for the oppressed. And so do we when we work according to God's commandments by God's grace. God gives food to the hungry, and so do we. God liberates people in change, as do legislators, lawyers, judges, and juries. God restores sight to the blind, as do op- ophthalmologists, opticians, and glassmakers. God lifts up those who cannot rise on their own, as do physical therapists, orderlies, elevator makers, and parents of infants. The Lord watches over strange. Do police and security workers, flight attendants, lifeguards, health inspectors, and peacekeepers. And he takes care of orphans and widows, as do foster parents, adoptive parents, elder care workers, family lawyers, and social service workers, financial planners, and boarding school workers. Praise the Lord that we get to participate with His kingdom work, with what He is bringing, the reality that is to be trusted, the King that reigns over all things. And we cling to the light and then we live for the renewal of others in all things. It's a renewal that can only be found trusting in the Lord. And how we thrive as we wait during the Advent is that all of life before His return is trusting in Him calling others to trust in Him, lifting our voices in the song of praise as Psalm 146 does for us. And this is exactly the song that we need. As we wait, as we journey through these lives, the Lord's reign makes Him a sure hope for God's suffering people. Because you are His. He can be trusted. Psalm 146 is. Unique in that it's a start of a collection of these hallelujah songs that end the book of the Psalms. And each begins with this call to praise the Lord. One writer says this series of Psalms invites us to ask what would prompt all the praise of Psalms 146 to 150. And the answer to that question is that these psalms celebrate the best ending of the biggest story, a story bigger and more epic than Star Wars, than the Lord of the Rings, than Harry Potter, and the true story of the world and its glorious resolution provokes praises of Psalm 146 through 150. Eugene Peterson said, That they bring the Psalter as a whole to a rousing crescendo. Whatever temptations we endure, whatever disappointments, whatever sorrows, all those dissonant notes are resolved harmonically into praise. Praise of the one who is to be trusted. So friends, as we go through our long advent, louder still is the reign of the king. I need that to be true In my life, in my heart, and through my hands, and through my voice. Psalm 146 celebrates Yahweh as Savior, while urging that no mere mortal can bring about the needed deliverance. And The Lord set salvation in motion by sending Jesus a salvation that's to be consummated when he comes again, then to achieve resurrection, liberty for the captives, and sight for the blind, and the hallelujahs of Psalm 146 once and for all that will ring on forever. So, are these the end times? Absolutely but not for fear or for conspiracy or silly myths. It is for the church to recognize the busted, hoping in nobles and instead resolve to trust the king who has come and is coming again, singing louder of his goodness, of his reign, of his peace for all time. This is going to be the tension in our lives, and it isn't new or unique to us. It's why we gather. It's why we uh, support each other. It's why we declare the good news over and over again, because it's the only thing that we can put our trust in. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a great American poet and believer, wrote the song or poem Christmas Bells that many of you know, in the height of it, there's a new movie on Amazon Prime that you can rent for $5. We did not rent it because it looks a little cheesy. But it tells his story as a writer. He had lost his wife in a, a fire. He lived during the Civil War in the United States, and his son was gravely injured. And um, it's at Christmas time that he writes this reality of where we place our trust. He wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heartstones of a continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. The Lord will reign forever your god o zion to all generations praise the lord will you pray with me lord we confess that there is a lot of noise in our world there's hate there's war trouble trauma And that's just out there. And then we add to that the reality of our own hearts and our own minds, our anxieties, our fears, our recovery from those things that have been difficult in our lives. And Lord, we recognize how easy it is for us to run after trusting in nobles and things that others say that we should do or be. But we know that your word declares and we've lived long enough to recognize that those do not provide salvation. There is no rescue in those things, but the rescue we need is found only in you. God who is creator and who is good, who brings freedom and wholeness and hope. Lord, make us a people this Advent season that cling all the tighter to you and look forward with great hope and joy that your kingdom would come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're going to mark our hope with a meal, the Lord's Supper of Communion. And As the helpers come, and a reminder, this is for those